This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, fugitive from the law, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I wish someone would insult me by saying I look like Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Tell me about it. That would be, be a heck of an insult. I would take that insult every day and twice on Sunday. So. <laughs> you, are, you are too handsome when that's the insult to you. That's right. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started a few months ago, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoy it as we talk about episodes five through eight of The Terminal List on Amazon Prime. If you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast. You can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, $5, $10, or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Go over there, leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time while you're on Apple Podcasts, write us a review. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. Both of those things do a long go a long way in getting the podcast into the ears of new listeners. We'd really like to up those ratings at least, even if we don't get reviews to go with them. The reviews really help, but if we get some more ratings, that would help out a lot. So if you're if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down and click on those little five stars, and uh, like I said, help the show out a little bit by hitting the five-star button for us. That would help us out. A whole lot. So, all right, we are discussing the second half of the Terminal List starring Chris Pratt. Uh, last time we discussed this, you were you you liked it. I was struggling a little bit more with it. Where were you after watching episodes five through eight? Ironically, the first thought I had was, I bet Justin likes likes this a lot more. <laughs> and I think I text you too that. Yeah, and and you would be correct. I did like it a little bit more. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I did like this more than the first half. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more specifically about it, but just give some overall big picture thoughts on what yeah. you were thinking when watching it. I, I thought the last four were really good, especially the last two. Because uh, yeah. you really found out how big this uh, this went, how, it, how the cover-up, I guess would be the word, right. was going. And then you just found out like how how far Chris Pratt, how uh, far James Reese was willing to go. Right. Because there were several several places that you were like, well, wow, he, he, he's ready to die. Uh, right, he was. Uh, he was ready to die. And then, as we predicted, Taylor Kitsch was involved. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, we, we got that one right. We, need we to got that one that right. Guy. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was just, I, I thought it was, I thought it flowed better. I thought it made more sense. And and it, and it was enjoyable. And you got some of the Pratt, you know, that you like because, you know, we he made fun of Taylor Kitsch about looking like Patrick Swayze yes. in, in Point Break. He even said the word, I am justice. Yes, he did. <laughs> he kind of changed Batman there. Yeah. 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 And then stay off my list. Like, what a fantastic line. He should have yeah, said that, that multiple times. Yeah, that was good. I, I like that a lot. Now, uh, look, this is, it's not, I like this a lot more. It's not going to like redeem the show enough for me to ever like, just want to go back and revisit this and we'll talk more about it as we get into it. But it was a much more palatable experience going through it in the second half of this season of a show. And we'll talk about whether or not they get a, it gets a second season or not later on. But when I was watching it, one of the things I've noticed is because if you go look at it on Rotten Tomatoes, you go look at any review uh, collection side. I don't know what you want to call them, but basically what you'll see is a lot of critics hate this show and the audiences that are, are watching it are, and are chiming in on it are absolutely loving it. And I think the reason why is with this show, this is a very, it's a very paint by numbers type of show. It's got, it has all, it, it checks every type of box you can for a military on the run, fugitive from law type of show. And that's, because it is so very much a check the box type of show, that's not going to be a show that critics like. But because the just the subject matter with it being having Chris Pratt having a storyline where he is on the run with it being military, 
most people probably made a judgment about this show before they started watching it. So if if you saw this, if you saw a trailer for it, if you saw an advertisement for it before you started watching, you probably knew if you were going to like it. And if you you probably knew if you weren't going to like it. So I think all the people who are chiming in through all those like IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever it may be in terms of the audience, I think they're they're highly positive because the people who are watching it are the people who would like it. I don't think there's a whole lot of people who like just said, Hey, I might give this a shot. I think you knew whether or not you were going to like this show coming into at least most people. I I was kind of, I wasn't one of those people because I I try to be a little bit open-minded, but most shows, you know, there's a certain audience. And I think this one resonates with a certain audience. And if you're not that audience, though, it's not going to resonate with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, um, the author of the books is pretty outspoken. And so I I think he has enemies and uh, fans. So that could lead to, uh, you know, the the reviews. And then also Pratt is, for some reason, beloved and hated. It's bizarre. So that that could lead to. And any time, it's a weird time that any time there's a military or something, you have people who are so – anything in the military, they're going to say (laughs) – you know, five right. stars, but if anything with the military, zero stars. So right, you're you're right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird mix of shows where you, you know, can we just be in the middle like I am? You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just you know, not worry about all the other crap that's out yeah. there. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Trust me. Yeah. All right, let's just kind of talk talk about this show. So episode five is kind of like. It is well. Let me get, let me go into my thoughts a little bit more about this because I haven't done that yet. So. My thoughts on it, like I said, I did enjoy it more. Uh, I do think it's a little. I think it is a little too play it by play it by the book. I do think there's a little bit too much of that where they 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 are going to follow and do certain types of things. We're going to talk about some of those t- certain types of things, especially here in these last uh, like the last three episodes. But I do think what makes it different is it actually decides to develop a plot here in the last four episodes. Uh, the first four episodes were just more about how many different ways that. Christopher, uh, Chris Pratt could, or James Reese could kill people. I thought that was really all they really were exploring was just the different ways he could kill people and how impressive he could be while doing it. Uh, but by actually exploring into the, the RD four, five, nine, eight, is that what was it? I don't remember the numbers that are, that uh, were associated with down. RD4895. Uh, 4895. I have the right numbers, didn't have the right order. Uh, so RD4895, by actually exploring that and trying to figure out, you know, giving us something to actually try to, discover and to determine just what this thing was and what it was doing that actually gave it a much better plot i thought uh, you know it was still for chris pratt it was still very much about revenge and avenging his family his his crew that was on this trip with him all the seals that were with him it's still very much that but i thought by actually putting that in there and really it was in there in the first four episodes, but they barely touched on the first four episodes. By exploring that more, I thought it gave the show a little bit more purpose. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, it gave Constance Wu got a lot more to yeah, do. Yeah, she had something to do, finally. And that's one, yeah. of the things, that's one of the reasons why I had a much higher opinion of the show in the last last half of it. Yeah, and then you add Jean Triplehorn, who's a fantastic, fantastic actress. She really right. got to cook in the last couple. So, yeah. you know, you're adding that element to it where you have two very good actresses going at each other right so that that took it up taylor kitsch had a much bigger part as well and yeah. and, and that was that was really good so I, I definitely think that that helped yeah so the last uh the first episode of the second half uh, episode five it is kind of tying up this this you know the initial list that he kind of came up with uh he's going after jay courtney now this is something i did not expect because steve horn who was running that company, what was the name of the company again? Uh, uh, Corners- Capstone. 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 I always want to call it Cornerstone. Uh, Capstone, who's the head of this, who has brokered a deal. Uh, this is the guy that this is the guy that James Reese has now honed his sights on, and he is going after, and he wants to bring in. It started off. I, I don't really remember, and you may, maybe you do, but. They said they wanted to bring him in alive, but all of a sudden at the end of the episode, it, it ends up changing and they end up killing him. Was it because Constance Wu, uh, her character, Katie uh, Burinek, was it because she discovered more information about RD4859? Is that why our 4895? You're talking about the, the guy she was getting information from, Mike? Yeah, she got a lot well, of information from him and because I know they wanted to bring him in alive. That was the first thing that uh, but Max I think it, said. 
Yeah, I think it was because remember he took the when he got that flash drive. I think uh, that okay, yeah, it's the flash drive. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So once they get the flash drive, they're they're okay with killing him at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew there was something. I just couldn't remember what it was. All right. So that's and this is what they're kind of building towards. Now this is I like this episode more than in terms of the. You know, let me just find a new way to kill somebody because this felt more like the A team to me. Building this bomb in this van, yeah. uh, just putting this plan into motion so that it wouldn't have civilian casualties. That I thought was interesting because he has said throughout the entire course thing he only wanted to hurt and kill the people that were responsible for this. He didn't want to take out. He didn't want to kill people who weren't involved in it. So I thought this was good. Uh, so, like I said, I like the plant they're going with. I like the fact that Mac Wilson, who's played by Christina Vidal, uh, the pilot of this uh, that's kind of flying around everywhere, she gets a little bit more involved in this because I thought her character was good. And yeah, we didn't get much from her the first four episodes. Now, she was really good in the sixth episode where they're tracking him down in the woods. But yeah. I got to say, man, I mentioned this the last one. Jay Courtney's character was very disappointing. And I'm shocked yeah. he took this role. Uh, maybe it was he's buddies with Fu Antoine Fuqua or Pratt because his part was a big old wuss. It really was. It, and then was... he died like quickly. Like I mentioned multiple times last one, if we don't get these two big beasts going at each other, it's a disappointment. So I got to yeah. say it's a disappointment. Yeah, it was. It, the, he, I mean, he goes out very, very quietly for the most part in episode five. And that was, that was very surprising to say the least so yeah. uh I, I, I was like you i thought i thought he was going to be i, I kind of thought he was i didn't think he was necessarily going to be the big bad of this i thought he was kind of the i thought he was more of a distraction in terms of that he's the guy who you immediately key on but you kind of figured there had to be more to it than just this one guy this one character steve horn yeah, yeah the red that, herring yeah, he yeah, red herring. Thank you. That's that's the best word to describe it. So you know he's the red herring because you kind of figured for this drug to get involved and to be as and to be administered to the Navy SEALs as it was, you kind of have to figure that somebody on the inside had something to do with it. And so, like I said, I, I thought there would be more for Jay Courtney's character to do, but when they took him out, I was like, okay, well, that's kind of, I, I, I especially in episode five, it's like, okay, so now where are they yeah. going to go with it? And the, they ended up taking it to a, a pretty good place, I thought, but it was, it was a weird turn there, you know, just barely halfway through the season that you get what the guy who's been billed as the, the main villain of the entire show being taken out that quickly. So I thought that was, I thought that was weird. I thought it was disappointing. With you, I thought it was disappointing. Yeah. And let me throw one thing out there. I watched that the day after the July 4th shooting. Oh, did you? And I got to say it was weird. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I can definitely see that because you, you got some, uh, where, when did, where did that shooting take place at? It was in, uh, near the suburb of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. That's right. It was in Chicago. That's right. Uh, I was thinking it was in California for a second there, but no, that, that, I'm was, getting, yeah, I can see that because you have that, you have this, you know, small bombing that takes place in the middle yeah. of San Francisco. So, yeah, I mean, and that's probably one reason why the critics don't like it very much, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. So, um, anyway, like I said, this this episode, it's good. Uh, I like the fact that this is, we're getting Katie, played by Constance Wu. She is, she's really getting more uh, involved in the story. Uh, the guy, Mike, what was his last name? I don't remember. Oh, well, uh, Mike, anyway, the guy who's like basically owns, who technically owns Capstone. Tedesco. Mike Tedesco. Uh, yes, thank you. Mike Tedesco. So he's technically the owner. He's played by Paul McCrane. He's technically the owner of Capstone, or he has the majority of the shares. I really don't know how all that stuff works, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, he, he doesn't want to sell the company, and he's trying to get information to to Katie so that she can publish some information to stop the sale of the company. And she he gets the information to her, but he is but he doesn't this is one of the things i thought was just really really i, I had a struggle with episode five so she tells him to leave his cell phone to not bring his cell phone and he leaves it in the car i'm like okay how yeah. are you the smart how are you owning this multi-million dollar company and you're, right. you don't understand that to when you say don't bring your cell phone it doesn't mean leave it at home not leave it in your car so right I, and i want to say uh and I, this is every thriller like this has any person who's given up a source 
not Dodd. Exactly. Because <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to that subway. Because I'm right. like, I've seen this before where the guy gets thrown into the subway. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're going to die every time. But he, do, he did have a great line. Uh, it was something like when she said, because he's telling her about how it's all about who has the shares of this company. Right. And she says something like, what do the shares have to do with it? And he says, everything. Everything. That's right. <laughs> and it does, it does play into it. Because it, it tells right. us it tells us who actually was involved in 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 the giving this drug to the Navy SEAL. So it definitely does play a, a part in it. But I just thought that I was like I had a really hard time buying the fact that right. he didn't understand to when she said leave his cell phone that uh, she wasn't talking about just leaving it in the car. Uh, so uh, anyway, but uh, Mike ends up dying. Uh, Katie almost ends up dying, but uh, James Reese is there to save her at the last minute. But he doesn't really care that much about her. He just wants the information. So he gets the he gets that flash drive from her, and that's when he gets the information when he goes about planning to actually kill Cor- uh, Jay Courtney's character, Steve Horn, instead of bringing him in for questioning like they'd originally planned. Like I said, I thought the plan was very A-team-esque. I, I thought it, that worked well. I do wonder, you know, how much how much guilt he puts on people who are just associated with Capstone or who are associated with it because, like, his security detail uh, for Steve Horn, he kills those guys. So, yeah. like I said, uh, I, that's probably where he got a little muddy for me is, you know, who do, all does he consider innocent and not innocent in this? I guess people who are yeah. even employed by this company aren't considered innocent in that, in that yeah. regard. I was I was going to say that had to be it. And I, I noticed, uh, I was reading a recap because I was trying to rem- remember everything. And I saw where people who read the book were saying he wasn't as mean to uh, Katie, like where he threatened wow. to kill her. He, he w- their relationship was much closer, although they end up being pretty close. I, yeah, I think he was, and he was kind of protecting her as well because he's like, "You need to right. get out of here." Uh, but uh, that that scene of him being as rough, he wasn't as rough with her in the book. And right. Some some book readers, you know, had had issues with that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because, like I said, he was he was pretty rough with her at times. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I can definitely see that. So after the after the explosion, after he has killed Steve Horn, there is this chase through the streets of it was San Francisco, wasn't it? Yeah, it was San Francisco. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So they have these uh, chase through the streets of San Francisco, leads into these these mountains, and leading the chase is Tony Layoun, who is played by J.D. Pardo. Uh, he is the FBI fugitive and head the head of FBI fugitives or whatever in San Diego. And he, of course, has tracked him to San Francisco. And this is where it leads into episode six. So there is a crash. Uh, he runs off the road because they do this. They do the spike strips and they think they have him cornered. And obviously he ends up escaping, but he escapes into these hills. And this is where Tony Leone brings in the brings in all these other uh, uh, I, I, I don't remember what all the all the different uh, departments were, but he's bringing a whole bunch of folks, uh, military, uh, yeah. local uh, police, all this type of stuff to try to track this guy down. And this is where we start to like, I, like I said, when I say we're, you know, we're, we're checking off boxes. Now we're getting the episode where he is going to play the survivalist. Look, I thought it was a good episode. Don't get me wrong, but you, you expect when you watch this show that we're going to have a survivalist episode at some point. And well, this it's, is, it's, this is it. It's, it's a throwback to first the the original Rambo movie, yes, First Blood. Yeah, where he he goes out in the woods and, and is the only person to survive, and he's a Green Beret, not a SEAL. But uh, I was gonna say I really like JD Pardo in in his part. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he did a he did a good job, especially he's very stern. He doesn't show a lot of personality, right. but that's kind of who you want leading it. Kind of like uh, Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive. He did well. He had a personality but you know yeah, you, want that, you want that strict guy that's stern that's going that's going to do what it takes and I, th- I thought he played that part well yeah i thought he did too i thought he played the part very well i thought he i thought he was good i thought his partner who was from the armory what was her name uh let me find it real quick because i had it up uh was that liz riley no liz riley is uh that's uh uh James Reese's friend that has the oh, that's pilot. Right, yeah, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Where is his partner? I can't find well, her. Christina right now. Vidal is one of them. 
Okay, that's I'm getting them confused. Okay, Liz is uh, his was the partner. Christina Vidal, Mac was the uh, was the yeah. partner. Okay, yeah, I got I got them confused. My bad. So, uh, so Christina Vidal, I thought she was good as that role. As he kept referring to his army, uh, I thought she was good. I thought that, that entire look. I thought this entire episode was good. There's not a whole lot to talk about because it's just. It's just him trying to find different ways to survive and him showing off his military skills, using the batteries to give heat signatures, to throw off whatever it was that was tracking him using heat signatures. I thought that, you know, it gives you a better understanding because I didn't know if that – I don't know if that's true or if that actually works or not. I, my guess yeah. is it probably does because they wouldn't be using it if, if that was the case. Uh, but like I said, it's a little bit tough to talk about stuff with this one because – but the one thing I do want to talk about is we do have that moment where – he is having that flashback and he starts talking to himself, but he's talking on the radio and Tony Leone and Chris Pratt have that conversation when he is kind of hunkered down in the rain that, that one time. I thought that was a really good moment between yeah. those, those characters. I, I agree. There was a couple of things I thought st- stood out. So when they're leading it, there was a former SEAL. Yes. That knew him and he was like, oh, we're not going to kid James. We're not going to try right. James Reese. And then they were like, okay, you're not on this. You yeah, they, they, made him, they made him stay home. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, there's no way you're catching Scott. I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool where Reese had the shot on him and left the bullet to show you I could have killed you, but I didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was it was kind of cool, but it was kind of bad. I, I, they had they quite haven't figured this out. The tumble he takes down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, that's that would have yeah, hurt. That, that, that looked really really painful. I mean, yeah. I like winced when I saw it. Yeah, and uh, you know he, he ends up helping Mac uh, Christina Vidal, who was stuck in the in the mud. So I thought I thought that I thought that was good. But I'm with you. You can, you can move on through six because that was it was really just to show that he's going to survive this. He's, yeah. the, he's the survivor. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do. Like I said, I did like the fact that uh, you know when we get to the showdown, him him doing the the landslide to escape, I thought was good, and him making sure that that Mac was alive, I thought was very true to his character because he didn't want to kill this woman because she didn't do anything wrong. She's just doing right. her job. So, uh, episode seven is when we start to find out who all is actually involved, and this is again we're checking off boxes. From the start, you kind of felt like somebody on the inside had to be involved. And the fact that it's three commanding officers that are involved in this, it didn't come as any surprise to me. Was it same no, for you? Especially when a couple of them were the ones that were really rude to him when right. he got back. Um, it was the admiral, especially, had gotten on to him about he needed to get his story straight. Right. And like was harassing him. I think the JAG guy, too, was both of them mm-hmm. were kind of like rough on him. Yeah, so so it was no surprise that they end up being the villains. Yeah, it it was no surprise at all. So, like I said, it was this was very much seen. I thought they did it well. Don't give me don't misunderstand Mm -hmm. me. I thought they did it well. I thought uh, the guys, the three actors, uh, one of them was Nick Chin Lund. I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, yeah, that was Uh, Admiral Pillar. That's Admiral Pillar, uh, Matthew Rouse, who I've seen in other things. I just can't think of. Yeah, he looks familiar. Yeah, he was Jack Howard. And I can't find the uh, third uh, guy right the now. Monica Garrett. He okay. was Cox. So those Cox. three guys, I thought they did a really good job. But like I said, this was very, it's a very typical type of thing to expect in this show. And so it basically comes, how is he going to track them down and kill them in this one? So unless you just kind of walk through all three of them. So at the, we actually start at the end of the episode and they say like 48 hours earlier or whatever. I can't remember exactly how many hours they jumped back in the future in, in the past to start setting up this episode. But the first one that he goes after is the JAG Captain Howard. He goes after him first. And he goes after his family to get to him. So uh, he tracks down his family. He and Taylor Kitsch, both as because they, as the three of them have become made aware of this, Howard's the only really smart one to try to get out of town. <laughs> yeah, he was like, let's let's go to the Keys. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so he's trying to get his fan. He and his family out of town, and when he's doing so. Uh, as they're getting ready to leave, the doorbell rings and Taylor Kitsch in an FBI-looking costume. He's got an FBI jacket and FBI hat on. He's actually there to greet them. So he greets uh, – so he takes his the his family, and he's the one who actually captures them. And basically what he does is uh, – and I think this is what Pratt's character, James Reese, understood, that he's probably the least involved of, of all three of these guys – 
so what he wants to do is he wants to use him to actually get to the other two. Uh, so, but he goes to, he basically says, you're going to do me a favor because I think you're not a bad guy. Uh, but to do me this favor, the only way you're going to let your family live is if you do this favor for him. Now, this is where I do question because he says, you know, if you're not going to help me, I want to kill your wife and son because you killed my wife and daughter. Do you think you would have gone through with it? Uh, yes. You're talking about if you're the drag Howard. No, I'm talking about if, uh, I'm talking about Reese. Would he have killed his wife and son? I don't know. Yeah, my, I don't my know first either. instinct is no, but I, I don't know. And I will say that was a very good scene because when he's torturing them, Taylor Kitsch looks very uncomfortable, yes, which does. is crazy to think he was a SEAL and in the CIA. And he's like, whoa, this is too far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that I thought Taylor Kitsch was doing good. I think he was the one. I think he's the one who sells that sells that that scene because if he's not there, you don't have him looking. You don't have somebody there looking uncomfortable. He's looking like I'm not sure that we need to go down this road. Right, right. And I think he's the reason that that scene actually works. Uh, but we don't find out till later, even though you kind of know if you're if you, it, it, you know if you put the pieces together, you probably know exactly what he's the favor he's about to ask him to do. Uh, so that's what he wants to do. He, the Howard eventually agrees to to the favor. Then that favor being. I'm going to strap a bomb to my to my chest and blow up <laughs> Admiral yeah. Admiral Pillar. Uh, but before he does all that, uh, he tracks down uh, Commander Cox at a bar. Uh, they have a fight in the parking lot, and of course James Reese wins. But he does an interesting thing because Commander Cox is basically responsible for training Navy SEALs. So we have that scene where he's got the log on. He's attached the log to him. He's he's handcuffed to it, and the only way that he can get out is if Basically, if James Reese will let it, will pull him up out of it, uh, because that's what they do with the seals. They all they all have that log attached, uh, like laying across them, and they all have to work together to do the sit ups to lift themselves up. And if they don't, then they're going to end up drowning. That's that's it's this nice callback. I thought it was really cool the way that they played that out. I thought so too. And like you said, they they had showed the previous scene of Commander Cox giving them hell while they were doing that. Right. And trying to get them to quit. So what a what a way for him to go out. Yeah, and so he got the information he wanted, and of course he doesn't pull he doesn't pull him out. He doesn't roll the, the log back, and it, this is where uh, Commander Cox ends up getting killed. While all this is going on, Tony Leone, who is the FBI agent, he has really pushed his he has I don't know I guess pressed his uh, his. Uh, his position a little bit to the max at this point because he is going after he is going after everybody at this point. He doesn't he believes that obviously Reese is doing this for a reason, but he wants to bring not only bring Reese down, but he wants to bring everybody involved. And the person that everything is pointing to at this point because of the fact that Constance Wu's character Katie has sent him some information because they uh, she even turned herself in. Was this the, the episode that she yeah, turned herself she in? She did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, so she goes to the FBI with the information, and she shows all these shell companies that were that had a, uh, a skin in the game on this RD4895, and three of those companies, the reason that she's able to track these people down, and the reason she tried, and Taylor Kitsch was able to track it down as well, and he conveniently left one company off yes, uh, he did. when he was giving the information to, to James Reese, but uh, she tracks the information down. She gives it to him and she says, there's all these shell companies and she ties them to the three commanders, but she didn't know who that fourth one was. And we'll obviously find out who that fourth one is later. But uh, so Tony Leone's going after him. He goes after Admiral uh, Pillar. They don't find anything there, but Captain Howard comes to his office later on and Pillar is just raking him over the coals and Howard looks terrified. And we, you know why he looks terrified. Oh yeah. Uh, but when he gets that phone call and he hands it over to him, uh, you're like, uh, and he reveals that bomb to him. Pillar says, there's one more person. If you don't let me live, then you want to find out who it was. And he thinks he knows who it is at this point because Katie has revealed to him that it appears to be secretary, uh, Secretary Hartley, who seems to be the one that's involved, but that's actually not the one that they were talking about. But we'll get into that in a second. How did you think of what you think about this entire scene and it playing out with Howard and Pillar uh, basically oh, being blown to bits? I, I thought it was fantastic, especially Pillar, as cocky as he is. Yes, he was, and still with at his last second, you know, talking crap to to Reese. And, you know, he deserved to go out like he did. I did read where this was a huge thing in the book. 
and was, they were and people and it was uh the author was much more graphic and mm. how they died and everything oh, really <laughs> and so they were they were people were interested how this was going to happen you know right. uh but uh it was man it was awesome uh when especially when you see the stuff being blown out and it comes right. through the, yes. all, all, all the ground, like that's always cool. It is. It is cool. Uh, but the episode ends with Tony Leone. He, uh, he understands that this is Reese doing this and he goes to, he goes to Reese's home. They have this uh, scuffle in his home. Reese gets the better of him, leaves him tied up. I don't still don't know how he, he got out from being uh, in those, I guess it was one of those zip tie type things. Yeah. But I still don't have a guy, but nevertheless, that's, that's a small point. But uh, but the episode actually ends with because Katie had sent a had sent her story to her editor earlier in the episode. And he she was waiting for him to actually publish it because she said he said, as soon as you send it to me, I'll, I'll have it up within the hour. It had been an hour and it still wasn't up on the website. So she's wondering what's going on. And he said, you never sent it to me. He's like, she's like, yes, I did. And she goes into her sent mail. Nothing ever got sent. And it turns out that Secretary Hartley and her security detail are coming to her in the library because they intercepted it using government resources. And I, I have no idea how they can do that. But nevertheless, uh, uh, they did. And so they, she nev- her editor never got the story. At this point, you feel like she's there's things bad things are about to have to happen to Katie. But I will say this: this is where they do subvert expectations a little bit. Secretary Hartley just wants to try to set the record straight. At least that's what yeah. she's saying. So I thought that was actually, you know, pretty good because, like I said, it would have been really easy for them to say, "Okay, well, she's about to die at this point, or right. they're going to attack her or something." Yeah, but I also want to mention Chris Pratt had some really good scenes with his flashbacks. Yeah, uh, with with his family because he flashed back to when the his child when he was told about his child when he when the child right. was born the spelling bee, so there were a lot of really good scenes with him. So you again, this is why he probably wants to do this show because he gets to show off a little more acting than he normally does. Right. And I will say this: one of my complaints in the first half of it, it was it was seemed like he had a headache every five seconds, and those were cut down much more so in in these four episodes. You didn't see him wincing from a headache. He still had some, but it didn't seem like it was happening just so very often, like it was in the first four episodes. Yeah, uh, and that was after he lost his medicine as well. Yeah, it was. So, so like I said, there's there's a. There is a definite plot progression at this point, and we open up with episode eight basically is all about trying to get to Hartley. Uh, so that's what Taylor Kitsch and and Chris Pratt's characters are attempting to do. They are trying to find a way to get to Secretary Hartley uh, because she appears to be the last person that's involved in this, at least according to what the information that excuse me, that James Reese has. Uh, but Ben and Reese, so they're going through this entire plan. They, they have this boat because, and all the meanwhile, Secretary Hartley knows that he's coming after her. So she has hired a security team. They are fortifying her house in military, uh, grade defenses. So it, it, there's going to be a pretty big shootout at some point and you kind of feel that coming. Uh, but also while all this is going on, uh, Tony, Le- uh, Tony Leu he and his team have been taken off the case. They've been put on leave because it becomes uh, the military. Basically they reveal that the military knows about this. And that's the reason that Hartley actually knew about it. So they technically do nothing illegal, but it's something that would look horrible if it ever gets put out into the public. And that's what uh, Katie is trying to do. And this is what uh, secretary Hartley is trying to cover up. She's trying to, you know, basically convince Katie that, this was perfectly fine, that there was nothing illegal done, but it still looks bad. And that's one of the things that Katie's trying to be out there is that basically the SEAL team was sacrificed for everybody. And like I said, I thought the best scenes of this entire thing were, I know everybody's what draws everybody to these, this, what this episode of this type of show is all the stuff going on with, with Ben and James Reese. But the stuff I found the most interesting was the stuff between secretary Hartley and Katie. Yeah, I was going to say the the big screaming match between Hartley and Katie was really good. Where yeah. where Katie has the mic has the recorder, and then really starts grilling her, and then you find out, like you said, that you know these guys. The it's the met. It sounds like the the RD 
RD4895 is actually working. Right. Unfortunately, these guys had to be killed off uh, to, to to make that happen. Then you find out how much the cover-up is. But I thought that scene was 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 really great. Right. I thought it was too. And you know, we get these. We get this is the big. You know, that's the big. The big reveal is that they're involved in that. This is you know, it basically they had to be sacrificed. And you know, they yes. The drug may have been working, but it was also cause, causing the brain tumors, and that's the reason why they're having to cover this up. So they end up sending the SEAL team into this unwinnable situation where they were all going to be killed. And the fact that Reese comes out alive was a surprise to everybody. Um, so that's why this entire show ends up going down, is because Reese wasn't supposed to survive. It, it, they were supposed to kill everybody in the SEAL team because that way nobody finds out they have tumors and they can keep doing their research. And they can eventually perfect this drug. That's what that's what Secretary Hartley's whole thing is. She doesn't want she wants soldiers, especially the special operators that she's always uh, referring to them. She doesn't want them to have the trauma that they are having to deal with because so much of the war is now falling onto the special operators based on the types of missions that they have to have to lay out. Look, it's one of those things. It's like it's a noble cause that we're trying to do, but the fact that you're end up giving people tumors and you're giving them this drug that they don't know that they're taking because that's what they're they're soldiers. They're trained to just follow orders, and that's what they're going to do. If you tell them to, all right, we're going to give you this B12 shot, which was they thought they were taking, they're going to take the B12 shot, even though it has this drug that's giving them a tumor. They just didn't know it at the time. Right. Uh, yeah. Like you said, they're going to take whatever they're given. So it all ends up playing out where. Uh, Reese and Ben are—they are, they are uh, infiltrating the infiltrating the house. All the meanwhile, you've got Taylor, uh, not Taylor. Uh, what is his name? Tony. Tony. I was going to call him Taylor. Tony Leone and his group are—you know—they're technically you know just out on a boat, and they just happen to be there. That's what their 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 cover yeah. is. Uh, but they're trying to protect Senator Hart, uh, Secretary Hartley as well. And it all ends up leading to uh, James Reese just absolutely showing showing off his skills as a Navy SEAL because he takes out numerous, numerous people in the process of getting to that office that has Secretary Taylor, Secretary uh, Hartley. Hartley and Katie's and Katie in it. He does all this stuff to get there. He ends up killing a lot of guys in the process. Uh, like I said, one with an axe. One with an axe. That axe becomes a very recurring theme. I guess that's why they kind of open the show with it. Yeah. Uh, so, and it ends with him basically in a standoff between Secretary Hartley and and uh, James Reese. And while they're having that standoff, Katie is trying to convince him not to do that. Secretary Hartley pulls a gun, and she ends up shooting herself and killing herself. And, uh, and that's kind of where the tension ends. Uh, but uh, what do you think about all how that one played out? I thought it was re- really great. Let me just say, I thought the, the scene right before where Reese and Ben say goodbye to each other. Yeah. Uh, where, where, and, and Ben says something like, you don't have to die alone. And, and, and Reese says, I'm not alone. And you see that he has a vision, almost like Star Wars, right. where he sees like his family and the seals when he yeah. dives in. I thought that was really good. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Like you said, you got to see James Reese show off how skilled he is at killing people. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then of course, Hartley takes the easy way out. Yeah, she does, and it does make it easier for for Reese in the long run because he he's not responsible for killing her, so they yeah. don't have to go after him uh, for that. And then I also like Tony uh, letting letting Reese go when, yeah. when he could have taken him in. Yeah, and that's another one of those. That's one that yeah. I like it. It's, one of the, it's another box checking thing. It right? is. He's yeah. going to have. You knew he was going to have him dead to rights at one point, and you yeah. know he's going to at some point just let him go. I'm still a sucker for that scene every time. Oh uh, yeah, don't no, like I said. I thought it was done well, but it's yeah. it was still very much a check the box kind of thing. Uh, but eventually, I don't remember exactly how it came to be because it's been about a week and a half since I saw this. But but at this point. Uh, as some time has passed between uh, since the end of it. This is when Reese finds out that Ben, played by Taylor Kitsch, actually was that last company, that shell company that was involved in getting RD4895 into the Navy SEALs. 
And you can tell he's a little heartbroken because he knows what he has to do. He, you know, he, he's going to, he was, he said from the beginning that he was going to be, he was going to kill the people who were responsible for this. And that even means his best friend, Ben, is somebody that he seems to love like a brother. So he's got to go after him. And I will say this. I thought they did this. This was one of the best parts of the show to me because I was expecting to have this big, huge fight uh, when that information came out because we both expected that to come, and it did. Yeah. And like I said, I was expecting this big, huge fight to take place, but they actually make it a really good emotional moment where Taylor Kitsch is like, you know, look, yes, I was hoping you guys would all go out and battle, you know, go down in the blaze of glory like uh, any good soldier would probably want to if that were in, they were in that same situation. But he did say, he said, look, you know, as soon as I found out that your your family were killed, I, I, I had nothing to do with that. And he tells him that. And you believe him. I don't believe yeah, he, yeah. he had anything to do with that. Alone. And I do believe he wanted to do everything he could to get revenge on all those people who I, I don't think he felt like that was ever going to be in the cards, that they were going to kill their family. And if he had known about that, maybe things play a little bit differently for him. But uh, that's just that good moment. So he points the gun at it. But before he shoots, we go to the beach where the boat is and we hear the gunshot go off. And, uh, you know, so we get that nice thing. Like I, said, I thought that was done really, really well. I thought it was, too. And. I will say you didn't see a body. Is there That's a chance? I, that for, I, I feel I, no, but you just yeah. never know. I think with that, I think they just, they don't want, that's a tough thing to show somebody killing their best friend. Right. That's kind of, I, I think you're probably right. I think that's kind of the thing that, because whenever you have a scene like that where you, you have a guy who is just voluntarily laying down their life, I think they, they, they don't ever want to show that. But, um, uh, one of the interesting things about this, though, uh, we do get the resolution on the bird scene, finally. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we do, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for that bird scene to pay off, and it, we, it does pay off. I'm not 100% bought into it, because it does at least show us that the girl pretty much knew that the bird was dead. Uh, but the whole bird scene is basically, you know, him explaining, you know, if he doesn't come home, what it would mean for, for his wife and daughter and how they should keep on going. So it's in this emotional scene, but like I said, it still doesn't completely pay off for me, but at least I have, we have some understanding of it. Did you, what'd you think about that? I, I thought it was a good payoff and I liked him throwing the list cause it was completed into the water. Yeah. I thought and that saying was. goodbye to his family and then sailing off. And I had read where this is how, where he's sailing to is, where where book two takes place oh really okay well yeah. uh, the, the only thing i don't get is one thing one of the things that we talked about in the on our first podcast in the show they've got to they had to like have some resolution on this tumor and they don't resolve the tumor i think that's where he's going for book two okay well that would i would hope so because he's still got a tumor <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, he, I, it's probably not going to, that's not going to last too much long. He's not going to last too much no, longer if it's the case. No. Uh, I'll be interested to know what they do in the second one because, you know, is he just going to be like this vigilante for hire uh, type person or? No. Uh, do you want me to tell you what I well, read? That's fine. I mean, I mean, they'll uh, flesh it out. Sure, uh, but. Well, he, uh, the, the government needs him and pardons him. Oh, okay. Okay. That uh, I'm not sure if I like that, to be perfectly honest yeah. with you. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I can't imagine that being the case, but we'll see. I mean, maybe it worked. Maybe it'll play out yeah. uh, in the long run. So I haven't heard about if this is going to get a second season or well, not. Well, this is a huge hit for Amazon. They have even posted how this is like maybe their biggest show. So right. I would okay. be shocked. Yeah, I'm a little surprised they 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 announced the second season for Reacher pretty quickly, so I'm a little surprised. They yeah, didn't you're that, right but, about that. Yeah, but this one, so, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of where it leaves off that he's headed off to some place across the country, and if that's if they go on the same route for a second season, then I guess that's what they'll end up doing. I, I do hope that it has a little bit more plot development in the second season, uh, because this one, like I said. I liked it the second half. Uh, it, the entire thing, when you step back away from it, it does tell a much more cohesive story. But I'll be perfectly honest, if we had been watching for this show, uh, if we had been watching for this podcast, I probably would have turned it off after 30 episodes because I, I, it didn't have enough for me to make it through the whole thing. Like I said, I'm glad I did because it was a better show, but I don't mm -hmm. know that I would have stuck around for it had I, had I not been watching the show for this podcast. So, uh, 
Anything else you want to add before we get into awards and ratings and all that fun stuff? Uh, I was going to mention one thing about Liz, who we really liked, who was the uh, pilot, his pilot yes. friend. I liked her backstory. And, of course, she's an Alabama fan. Of I course. can't escape it. <laughs> I have to hear Roll Tide even when I'm watching a show. That's right. <laughs> all right. So let's get into our awards. If you are new to the Main Attraction Podcast, we give awards out for our uh, for any season of a show that has wrapped up or for any movie of it or any movie that we have watched. And those six awards are based on the six characters from friends. So up first is the Rachel, the person who was the star of the show, the person who was shined the brightest, who was your Rachel for a terminalist. I, I just went with Pratt. I mean, it's, this is, this is his show and yeah. he leads it and he does a great job. He does. He absolutely does. There's no question about that. And that's, who, that's it's kind of who you have to go with in this, yeah. in this uh, particular instance. So next is the Joey, a character you just like, not necessarily the best character, but a character you just like nonetheless. Who's your Joey? I went with uh, Constance Wu as Katie here. I thought she was fantastic, and I hope we see a lot more of Constance Wu. Yeah, I, I went with her too. I, like I said, she was one of my favorite parts of the first half of the season. She really shown uh, she shown pretty bright in the second half of the season as well. So I'm going with Katie, uh, played by Constance Wu as well. The Chandler, the person who you laugh a lot. This is laugh laugh the most. This there aren't a ton of laughs in this show, but who'd you go with? The only person who was involved in any type of humor, Taylor Kitsch, has yeah. been. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of like the default person you have to. Yeah, he really with. is. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of them in the show, but uh, yeah. He, in fact, I, I may, he may have gotten the uh, co Joey if there was anyone else with humor because I mean right, he was exactly. he was fantastic and I love Taylor Kitsch and I'm glad to see him. He looks like he has uh, a full slate of stuff coming. So. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I'm sure he does, and he's been he's been around for a while. I'm hoping yeah. that he can kind of get going again. All right, next is the Phoebe, the person who is kind of the oddball, the one you don't really can't figure out for the most part. Who is your Phoebe for this show? I went with Jay Courtney as Steve uh, because, like, it was uh, a part that's nothing like that guy normally plays, and you're just like, was that it? Right, I, I I can see that. I end up going with two people: uh, his daughter and wife Riley Keough as his wife and Arlo Mertz, just because I never really figured out. I know they're supposed to be the really emotional attachment to this show, but I just never really got that from them. So I had a hard time figuring out what we were supposed to get from their characters. So that's where I went with that. Uh, next is the Monica, a character that is important to the show. Maybe not the best character, maybe not the your least favorite character, but just nevertheless a character that's very important and has a pivotal role to play. Who is your Monica for the Terminalist? I went with Gene Triplehorde as Hartley here. Gene yeah. Triplehorde is fantastic. Uh, every time she's been around since the early '90s, and mm-hmm. excuse me, always good, and she was great in this. Always good to see her. Yeah, I went with her too. I thought I thought she fit in nicely with the Monica. All right. The Ross is your least favorite character. Who is your Ross for the Terminalist? I went with the, the, the villain military people, the Admiral, yeah. the Jag and, and the commander. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> yeah. I went with them as well. So uh, How dare I, think they, you? I think they're pretty obvious candidates for, for that particular award. So uh, we're, we're in pretty much agreement on much about everything. So, which isn't surprising with this show because there's a lot of, Oh yeah, I was going to mention the Admiral was uh, really uh, uh, whatever uh, Jessup was the character's name, Jack Nicholson and, uh, Oh yeah, he, he was stealing from his. Playbook. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> he, he really was. <laughs> so, uh, so those are our awards. We also do a rating at the end of a season or movie. At the top of our list is the Game of Thrones. At the just beneath the Game of Thrones is a Lost. At the middle of the road is a Friends. Uh, just beneath the Friends is a Full House, and at the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch. What is your What is your rating for the Terminalist? I'm going with a really low lost. I re- I really enjoyed this. I thought the last few episodes were really strong, and I thought they pulled it up. Uh, it's not Game of Thrones. Uh, it's almost Friends, but I- I'm just going to go with the lost. I- and I hope they do more. 
I'm going. I, I was at a full house. I'm I'm going ahead and going up to a, to a friends with it. Like I said, it, it was better in the second half. I just struggled so much with that first half of that show that I I can't take it above a friends. It did make more sense. It actually had a plot in the second half of the show that I that I thought was engaging and intriguing. But like I said, there were still some issues I, I even I found in the second half. It's just so very predictable in a lot of things. Uh, the only thing that really took me by surprise was the fact that they end up killing Jay Courtney's character in episode. Five. That was the only thing that they really did that wasn't by the book. In the rest of this, the rest of the show, for for the most part, really was. Uh, yeah. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's good to have a show where you can, you know, you don't have to think too much, and you can just kind of see things coming, and you're not having to worry about all these different, um, all these different, you know, what is mystery boxes and all that type of stuff. Look, I, so that's the reason I'm giving friends. Uh, I, like I said. It works, but I can see why people are struggling, why some of the critics and stuff are struggling with it. So, Well, I'm hoping if they get a second season, since he said goodbye to the family, Reese, I hope he can be more uh, funny and charismatic. I hope so, because that, yeah. Dower Chris Pratt is not one no, no one, no one wants to watch too much of that. So uh, I hope you're right. Maybe I, I think they will. I think they'll kind of get Chris Pratt, yeah. Chris Pratt back to doing Chris Pratt things. So. All right, uh, so that takes us to the end of our show, but we also want to do recommendations. Since we're doing this a little bit early, we're going to release this on Thursday night. Uh, Ryan's going out on vacation. If you, oh, y'all wondering why we're recording a little bit earlier. Uh, so we'll, uh, this is still technically our, our opening week of the show. So uh, any recommendations you have for our listeners? Yeah, I got one. I went and saw Elvis, and I loved it. I do want to see it, but I'll probably end up waiting until it comes out on stream yeah. because I don't have enough, a whole lot of time as school's approaching. But what do you think of it? It was just fantastic. The music was great. The story, it's like two hours and 15 minutes, I'll warn you, but I never went to the bathroom. Uh, I really, Austin Butler, man, he was going to be nominated for Oscar. He was incredible as Elvis. Just incredible. The singing, the mannerisms, very good. I I really enjoyed it. So if you see it at the theater or or see it on streaming, I'd I'd highly recommend it. Especially if you like Bohemian Rhapsody and uh the uh elton john movie i can't remember what it was called but if you like those one. it was good too if you like those you'll like elvis yeah i, I look I, I i live in the suburbs of Memphis, so i plan to see it at some yeah. point <laughs> it's kind of like i have to see it so uh yeah i do want to see it i just like i said i'll probably end up waiting until it comes out on whatever streaming service it will eventually make its way to i do i want to have a very specific type of recommendation this week uh i saw the movie spiderhead on netflix it's it's fine it, it's fine if you want to if you are a huge uh, Chris Hemsworth fan and you know you want to see him outside of Thor I would recommend it uh, just because his performance is very different than that of Thor uh, but if other than that I'm not sure that I would recommend it because it can get kind of boring at times uh, but like I said if 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 you just love Chris Hemsworth and you want to see him do something outside of Thor I think it's it's an interesting performance that he gives in it uh, not a huge I I when we were discussing Top Gun, I remember saying, you know, I don't know why Miles Teller doesn't do a whole lot. And watching this movie, I'm like, I, I know why he doesn't do a whole yeah. lot after watching that film. So, uh, like I said, it's there are there are good things about it. But there's a lot of things about it that I don't like. Uh, so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on it, on that. But it was it was a little disappointing. I was expecting nothing better than what I got. So, but like I said, if you like Chris Hemsworth and you just want to see him do something different and give a very weird type of performance that you're not used to, go watch it. So. All right. Uh, let's see uh, what we're going to be recording in just a minute for our midweek episode. If you have not gone on Hulu and have not watched The Bear, I highly recommend you do so yeah. because that's what we're about to talk about in just a minute. And we'll release that show probably Tuesday morning. If I had to guess, I'll probably put that one out on Tuesday morning. Uh, but that is our next episode. It's going to be our 50th episode. Uh, kind of one of those little benchmark Woo-hoo. things. Woo-hoo. 50th. Yay. So, uh, but if you haven't watched it, I suggest go watching it and check back with us on Tuesday morning and listen to us talk about it. So uh, anything else you want to add, Ryan, before we head off? Appreciate everyone joining us and we'll talk to you next time. I would echo those same sentiments, and as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.